Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding. I'm John Green and I'm your host and here we are looking at the lessons for Tuesday, February the 23rd of 2021. So we're continuing through two different things particularly. We're looking at, well three different books actually. We're looking at Deuteronomy, Hebrews, and John and so you'll see those links just below in the description down there. So the first lesson is Deuteronomy 9, 4 to 12. And so it's continuing the, the speech of Moses, and he's trying to warn the people and, and prepare them. And that's the main thing to remember. He's trying to prepare them for life without him in the same way that Jesus is always preparing the disciples for life without him in their midst. Now, it's different, certainly, because Jesus sends the Holy Spirit after he leaves. Moses doesn't have that option. He can only send Joshua along to to keep an eye on things and make sure that everything continues to move in the right direction. And so we've got in Deuteronomy, he's, he's telling them still, warning them not to forget, not to forget how they got where they are, not to forget how they um, ended up coming out of Egypt and are, are now preparing to enter the promised land. He's preparing them not for the future of wandering in the wilderness, but for the future of entering and owning and possessing the promised land. And so he, he reminds them that it's not because of their righteousness. It's because of the wickedness of the nations that are there that the Lord's driving them out. It, it, he's reminding them that it's no merit of theirs that this is happening, that it's completely God who's doing the work. And he says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this land to possess because of your righteousness, for you're a stubborn people. Those are the words of a guy who's been trying to lead that group of stubborn people in the wilderness for the last 40 years. And he says, Remember and don't forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You've been rebellious against the Lord. Even at Oreb, you provoked the Lord to wrath, and the Lord was so angry with you that he was going to destroy you. So he recounts the, the entire story again of going up on the mountain and remaining there for 40 days. He gives us some further details, though, because what he says is, I remained there 40 days and 40 nights, and I didn't drink bread or water eat bread or drink water. And so he's there for 40 days, and he's in this fast. And it's the same fast that Jesus had after the baptism that we just talked about on Sunday. And so then he says, the Lord gave me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And on them were all the words the Lord had spoken. And so he gives him those tablets. But at the end of that, the Lord says, here's the tablets. Now go down quickly from here for your people, your people, he says, the Lord says, whom you have brought from Egypt have acted corruptly. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made themselves a metal image. And so you hear the, the uh, pronoun there. He starts out with, go down quickly from, from here for your people. Moses, whom you, Moses, have brought from Egypt, have acted corruptly. God has distanced himself from the people, and he's made Moses their deliverer, and they're his people. And so there, you see this huge shift that God makes away from them, and there's a temptation in there and a test, actually, for Moses. He's got to make the same decision. He's now telling the people 
they have to make. Remember and don't forget that God's the one who did all this stuff. They're they're God's people. They're you know, and and Moses has to hear that in real time and respond and realize these aren't my people. But he can't distance himself from the people at the same time. He's placed in this strange little dilemma, where he can't accept what God said that they're His people and that He brought them out of Egypt, but. At the same time, he can't distance himself from the people and say, they're not my people. No, he's going to have a responsibility here. And his responsibility is going to be to pray for those people, to intercede for those people. It's, there's an incarnational test in this to see what Moses will do. Will he distance himself from the people or will he plead the case of the people here? Will he accept God's judgment on the people or not? And and no, he can't because they're, they're not his people, but... They are his people all at the same time. And so it's a tricky thing that he's been uh, put before Moses here that he's got to deal with. And we're going to look at that, what the rest of that story tomorrow. But but what I wanted you to hear there is, is that this idea of remembering and not forgetting that it's God in all things. Because we can tend to, to default position can be that, that somebody did something for us and we can do hero worship and that's a dangerous business because we all have feet made out of clay we see that with this whole mess with Ravi Zacharias if you're familiar with Ravi he's great one of the greatest apologists of, of the age died not too terribly long ago maybe a year ago and and then word started coming out that that Ravi had some sexual issues in his past with different women. And so it, it's been a hard thing for a lot of people to take because we don't want to believe those kinds of things about our leaders. But there it is, you know, and there's nothing you can say about that other than, yeah, it happened. It's really true. Um, and so it can't be based in Moses because Moses is going to go away and, and we're going to, we'll revisit some of this tomorrow, some of the history. Moses leaves out some of the history. It's not that, that he's a bad history teller, but it, it's just it wasn't germane to the point. But, but it's important that, that we, if we're leaders and if we're Christians and we have brothers and sisters, that we not throw them under the bus and that, that we stand beside them and, and we intercede for our friends when they're, when they're in trouble. And so that, that's what I'd like to leave is what, what is it that, that everybody believes here? You know, you got to believe that it's the Lord who did all the work. That's the most important thing. And so we see that same deal in the um, the gospel passage, John two thirteen to twenty two. It's the Passover time, and so Jesus goes up to Jerusalem because it's an obligation for Jewish men to to go up to Passover and and observe it in Jerusalem sometimes during their lives. And so Jesus goes to the temple, and what he finds there are people selling oxen, sheep, pigeons, and the money changers. And he makes a whip of cords and drives them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers, overturned their tables. And then he told the people who sell in the pigeons, take these things away. Don't make my father's house a house of trade. <clears throat> and, and the disciples remembered that it, the words that were written, zeal for your house, will consume me. And so what's going on here? These, it's, it's the Passover, and so you got all these people making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover there, and, and they're all obliged to pay the temple tax, and they're also obliged to make sacrifice when they're there. But the problem was is that you couldn't count on, I mean, you didn't know that your items were without blemish, and the temple tax was paid in an odd coin that you, that was not useful for really anything else. So what they had to do was they had to wait until they came to 
Jerusalem to buy the sacrificial animals because these were the ones that had already been pre-certified by the um, by the by the priests that yep these are without blemish these will be acceptable in the temple so they, they, there's an upcharge <laughs> for those animals and so they're profiting off these pilgrims who are coming in to fulfill a religious obligation and the temple tax was the same thing you'd you'd have to pay the money that you use into the money changers who could then give you the money that was necessary to pay the temple tax. And again, they're profiteering off of it, and they're not supposed to charge interest, and they're not supposed to use this for profiteering, but it, but it became a way of people to make you know exorbitant sums of money on, based on religious piety of the people who were spending the money, and the people spending the money didn't have any choice except to do that. So you've got this issue of of people taking advantage of brothers and sisters. Man, I'll tell you what, I learned a long time ago to try and do business with people who had the fish symbol was was real hit and miss. Man, I had more problems with, with people who held themselves out as Christians sometimes than I did with with people who didn't. Um it, we've, we've got to be a different kind of people than that. And so here what happens, though, is once Jesus does that, the priests come and confront him. And they asked him, you know, what sign do you show us for doing these things? In other words, authenticate yourself. Prove to us that you're somebody who can do things like this and be this active in the temple. And Jesus gives them the, the sign of destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And then so they think he's talking about the temple itself. And so they say, it took 46 years to build this thing. What, are you going to raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about his body. And, and it's interesting because what John points us to is when he was raised from the dead, the Jews remember, uh, the disciples, I mean, remembered that he had said this, just like Moses is encouraging his people to do, is to remember. And then, then, at that point, after the resurrection, they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So there's belief, but that belief was later. I'm sure they were as confused as the Jews were about that, that day when Jesus says, tear down this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And so it's only later that they remember these things. And sometimes that's true in our own lives. We'll hear something and, and think, okay, whatever. And then you do what Mary did. You treasure these things up in your heart, and it's only later that you understand the full meaning of things like that. So then going into the Hebrews passage, which is Hebrews 3, 1 to 11, the writer there is, is calling them to consider Jesus and his faithfulness, and then to compare Jesus and Moses, like I was doing a minute ago with Moses couldn't send the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying is, is that, that Jesus is greater than Moses. Now, the book of Hebrews is partially written, at least. In fact, if not all, is completely written in order to convince people that Jesus is better than, supersedes, everything that comes before him because he is the exact representation of the likeness of God. He's a son, whereas Moses was a servant in the house. And so the point here is is to convince the readers to believe in Jesus, to, to leave behind Judaism in favor of Jesus, which is not to say I reject and renounce the Old Testament. It's to say, no, I hear Jesus as the fullness of that. And what he's saying is if you want to have rest, if you want to to receive the rest of God, then what you, um, rest of God meaning 
rest, like uh, rest from labors kind of rest. I don't mean more of God. I mean rest that God experiences and only God can give. Then what you have to do is believe in Jesus. That's the only way to get there. But you've got to constantly be reminded that he is greater than anyone who has come before. And the resurrection is the thing that certifies all of that. And so this call is a call to belief. It's a call to faith. It's a call to put Jesus above all things, just as the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration had to do. They had to see there is none that compares with Jesus. We have to hear the voice from heaven anew and afresh saying that this is my son. Listen to him. Put your faith completely in him and trust only him. And that's the message. Remember all he's done for you. Remember all that he has done in his life. And then move forward into that promised land that he has given to us with faith.